Welcome to episode three of Project Restart with me, Kieran Wellington. I'm delighted to be joined for her debut by my great friend, Nicola Kenton. Nicola, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Wellie. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. Very well indeed. We've got plenty to get stuck into today, namely because almost as soon as I uploaded the podcast on Friday, these podcasts go out on Friday, the Premier League announced that they'd be coming back. The Championship has now followed suit. Of course, we both support League Two clubs. We're still a little bit unsure as to what's going to happen with the ratification of cancelling the season. But it's great to see that all professional sport has now been um, put back by the government and we've had some horse racing. I'm not sure if any of our listeners have tuned in to, to watch some horse racing at Newcastle behind closed doors. Each to their own. We all love different sports. I'm not judging. But... It's good to see that there is finally a light at the end of that tunnel, Nicola, and uh, we can get back to watching some sport. Exactly. It's been a couple of months with not a lot on the TV, um, apart from the Bundesliga the past few weeks and some, some golf sparingly. It'd be good to have a packed schedule once again. <laughs> it will be. I don't know how people who don't like sport live their lives because I have found uh, like life has had a massive gaping chasm of something. Yeah, I just need sport. I mean, it's like an addiction. I need my fix. But as you say, Nicola, thankfully, we've had some golf back on our TV screens with a couple of charity games, um, notably uh, the McElroy Skins charity game, and that raised $4 million for coronavirus causes. That took place nine weeks, believe it or not, nine weeks after the players was cancelled mid-tournament. It's felt a lot longer than that, but it, it was a success in the main, I think. Yeah, definitely. It showed something different about TV. And McElroy gained quite a lot of fans um, from his persona that he had. You know, you could see it more of him. The fact the players were carrying their own bags, they didn't have caddies, and he did carry Dustin Johnson for a lot of the match. It was good to see something back on TV and obviously raising money for a good cause. And we've discussed off-air, if you like, or off-podcast about crowd noises and stuff. We obviously talked about this quite a bit with Kit last week and, and Kish has got his views on it. Obviously, we're discussing golf this week with our great guest that we've had, Clive Tucker, who um, has coached Graham McDowell for large parts of his career, including his major success and four Ryder Cups. What, what have you made of... of having no crowd noises at certain sports. I don't think it seems to be as much of an issue with golf as it does with, with other sports, potentially. Yes, exactly. Um, when the Bundesliga came back, there was a bit of a shock to hear basically nothing, um, apart from just you know the staff making noises, the substitutes making noises, and the players, you could actually hear them talking to one another. Um, that was a bit of a shock. And when the uh, De Classica played last week, that was... A little bit more noise that time. <laughs> a bit of a bigger match and a few more people in the stadium, I think, staff-wise, which uh, helped amp up the atmosphere. But obviously, golf, as you say, don't think it matters as much for general tournaments. Um, in fact, in some ways, it's nice to listen to golf without having somebody randomly shout the words mashed potato or get in the hole. And yeah, um, listening to the players also it provides a different aspect and it's just more insight onto the sport that they play instead of hearing a hubbub of noise in the crowd. Yeah, definitely. I, I want to apologise for our noises as well. Obviously, we're still in a, a state of semi-lockdown, which means 
we can only really uh, record the podcast on Zoom call, which is why we've had many Wi-Fi issues throughout the day. Luckily, the interview with Clive has gone off without a hitch and, and, and he gave us some really great insight into how he thinks golf is, is going to look when it comes back. We've just um, had the announcement from the West Indies Cricket Board today as well as we're recording. I think we should just touch on the events that have happened outside of golf um, before we get on to, to Clive's interview because three West Indies players turned down the opportunity to, to travel over here and, and Paul Newman, the well-respected cricket journalist from, from the Daily Mail, has, has sort of said, you know, fair play to the West Indies for, for wanting to travel out to the UK, which has been one of the you know, worst affected countries in terms of this coronavirus pandemic. Do you think sports persons should be put under such pressure to, to come over to different countries and obviously uh, play their sports? You know, golf is, is one of those sports where you have to travel around the world, similar to tennis. And, you know, I don't think Anna was very... In our first episode with Anna Smith, the, the GB doubles tennis player, she, she wasn't entirely positive about there being, you know, that, that world-renowned sport. It's going to lose some of its, some of its gloss, I think, if, if, you know, like the European Tour is trying to do with golf, put it in a, in a six-week tournament. And, and you, you discussed F1 as well, having two races at the same venue. You know, it's, it's changed the landscape, hasn't it, of sport, this Absolutely. And yeah, obviously players are contracted to play in whatever sport they do, but they should still have a choice over whether they want to play or not. And it's down to the health of those individuals, their families, etc. Because they don't know what they could end up doing over here or what, what could happen whilst they're over here. If there ends up being, you know, an increase in cases again might go into more of a lockdown and then would they be over here and not be able to get back home again? I completely understand the decision of, you know, not wanting to come over here to play a specific sport when actually is sport at the forefront of their minds right now. The landscape has changed completely across many different sports and as sports continue to come back, we're going to see how it will continue to change and evolve throughout the year. Yeah, we will indeed, Nicola. And I think it's going to take a little bit of adjustment from, from the fans' perspective, from our perspective, in order to really embrace those different uh, landscapes that we're discussing and those different schedules. I think, as you say, a, a lot of us are just grateful to have it back on TV in whatever way it's presented to us. But TV companies have a big responsibility through this to make it as enjoyable as possible. Um, let's get on with it. As I say, uh, Clive Tucker is a really well-renowned golf coach uh, globally. He's been doing it for decades, guiding Graham McDowell to major success and, and, and helping him to, to four Ryder Cubs. We spoke about the resumption. I think golf is probably one of the first sports that has set it out so clearly in terms of when stuff is coming back and, and when we can expect to be glued to our TV screens for the next few months. And uh, that's why we wanted to, to cover golf this week. And um, I, I think we really enjoyed speaking to Clive, didn't we? Yes, he said some really, really good stuff about his opinions on the Ryder Cup and also just coaching mentality and what it'll be like for the players returning to their sport. Yeah, we've had a player, we've had a journalist, and now we've got a coach. So we are really trying to cover all different bases so far on Project Restart. So without further ado, let's crack on and, and let's hear from 
Clive Tucker. Clive, thank you so much for joining us. Um, how's lockdown been? And it's good to hear that you're, you're back to coaching now. Lockdown, same for everybody else. Obviously, we're adhering to all the rules. Um, been back coaching for the last seven, ten days as permitted. One-on-one, uh, obviously social distancing, lots of sanitation, masks and gloves should they be required. Seems okay, you know. Um, lots of playing lessons. So lucky to be involved with golf that has it's an outdoor, excuse me, outdoor connotation. So therefore, you know, we're pretty fortunate to be able to do that. Indoors would be a massive problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I've seen an awful lot. I know when I've been trying to book a tea time at just my local <laughs> nine hole uh, <laughs> golf course, right. there's been an awful lot of um, interest. And the guy, mm. um, when I got on the phone to him, said it's like trying to book a ticket for Glastonbury here at the moment. There seems to have been right. um, a lot of sport fans wanting to get out and play golf. And that, that must be a good thing for the sport in general, that, that there's an excitement to have yeah. it back. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, for, for golf, for so many people, I wouldn't say it's religious. But it, you know, there's a lot of passionate golfers out there that haven't been able to play golf for a couple of months, near on, if not slightly more than that. So they're just desperate to get out. So I, I'm lucky enough to work at Manny's Eve Golf Club in West Sussex. And uh, it's a beautiful venue and um, we're, we're very, very busy. Only members, but that probably changed probably by the middle to end of June. I think they might take some green fees then. But at the minute, people are very, very keen. I think the rules are going to change any time now to three and four balls if they haven't already. So I think it will start to return to normal. The clubhouse isn't open, but it's, that's not far away either. So it's going to be a new type of situation at our golf club as it would anybody else's and very limited facilities open. But I think people are just so, so happy to get out there, you know. Absolutely. And golf's been one of the first sports we've been able to see on TV with the charity games that have happened yeah, yeah. so far. Yeah. Obviously, we had the Skins match with McElroy and DJ uh, facing mm-hmm. off against Wolf and Fowler. And that raised yeah. $4 million for, for coronavirus causes. Um, yeah. and of course, we had the match, um, yeah. or the match two, Tiger. as it's been branded yet, with Tiger yeah, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. Brady um, and Mickelson and, and, and Manning. Um, which mm. raised a massive twenty million dollars. So it's been brilliant to see how golf can also unite a nation and, and really raise money for what has been obviously the worst thing. Mm. We've seen mm. in our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's been interesting though, because obviously they've had to carry their own um, bags and stuff. So you mm. know, the, the caddy issue. What what mm. do we make of that? Are we going to see caddies back on the tour? Do you think when it when it resumes? A hundred percent, they're back on tour. Uh, saw something from Rory where his caddy is self-isolating, has been there. I think they start at the Colonial, 11th of June, if memory serves very well. Yeah, and so right. the caddy's been there for two and a half weeks, so um, should be good to go. I'm, I'm sure there'll be distancing and masks and gloves. and uh, There have to be gloves because they've, they've both got to chuck the equipment and the bags and so forth. Yeah, they'll be s- probably spraying golf balls with sanitizers every tee. I'm, I'm sure that's what's going to happen. And do you think it will be an easy thing to sort of schedule and, and get all these um, social distancing rules in place? Is that, is that going to be a problem, do you think? I don't think so. I mean, I, I imagine there'll be some teething issues, but, you know, they're pretty well organised. There's a lot of intelligent people making the right decisions and, you know, they're kind of, okay, what's the worst case scenario? Where is it going to go? And I, I suspect they've got plenty of things in place. Yeah, to, to make sure things are as safe as possible. Sadly, no spectators, you know, it's behind closed doors, as it would be in, in the UK in, in Europe, UK. I think we start in July. We've got a six week of six six week run, um, you know, behind closed doors. Interesting enough, I think it look looks as if um, I think Hanbury and a few others are there where they've got big hotels on site. So everybody's kind of 
not exactly isolated, but I think they can control the safety measures inside much more easily. I think they're bound to be communicating between the players and the, and the committees. It'll be restricted to begin with. I think the, the fellas that are in the top six in the world might concentrate a little more in the in the US, but the, you know they're bound to get back. And flights will happen, not not as they have been, you know. But um, I suspect they'll just ease their way into it and they'll do it very well. What I've also found interesting about the two charity games is is the TV companies without fans feel they have to enhance the entertainment for the people at home. Um, mm. they, they've been a few ideas mm. going into place. And the, the one thing that struck me, obviously it's all American TV coverage, but we, we get it on, on Sky Sports at home. And seeing President Trump be interviewed on a, on a, on a charity skins match for, for a golf game was, was baffling. I mean, what, what do you make of the TV companies trying to you know, get big name interviews whilst the players are playing golf? Well, I suppose they, they obviously feel as if they don't... I've got to admit, I didn't see that interview. I, I imagine it'll be entertaining, to say the least, if, if, in that sense. However, uh, you know, they've just, got to, they've just got to replace the oohs and ahs of the crowd and so forth and the atmosphere. They've got to create a slightly different atmosphere. Because let's say they've got four guys wandering around with a bag on their back. They could be 50 yards apart. That could be a bit boring if they're not speaking to one another and the only people out there are some film crew standing 25 feet away. It's going to be a bit sullen, so I suspect they've got to do something to give it a little bit of juice. And I can see why they would do that, particularly if the, if the people they're interviewing are you know, of such a profile or they're inter- you know, entertaining enough in their own right that they can actually add something to it, whether it's just for the entertainment or actually some sort of uh, brevity to the, to the matter and, the, and those sorts of things. So I get that. Yeah, it makes sense to me. And how much do you think the missing of the atmosphere is going to affect the players? What would you think, you know, is the thing that they're going to miss most about that? Well, I think that, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of the, at this level of golf, it's a very much a confidence thing. And um, they, they, there's no question that the players will feed off of the atmosphere or the, the you know, the support and the crowds and, you know, there's a whole buzz. You know, I've been lucky enough to be at three or four, three, four Ryder Cups as a coach, and the atmosphere is un- nothing I've ever I've played, but not in the Ryder Cup. But it's incredible. I imagine if you just suddenly didn't let those people in, it would. It's going to be so different. There's, there seems to be a mood amongst the players. Reference the Ryder Cup, certainly that it's going to be a bit of a damp squib without twenty-five to forty thousand. You know fans there because because it actually will be I think initially in 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 tournaments on the PJ Tour and the European Tour I think do you know what I just think they're going to be so pleased to get back and just go play that I, I think they probably will not miss that too much and there's two things I think may happen they're going to get used to that and enjoy it just for the sake of it or they're going to miss it and I think that's probably a 50-50 split. There's going to be a split. I think, I think overall there, they're going to miss it. I really do. But please God, as things alter or return to perhaps not the old normal or a new normal, they're certainly going to be edging in the direction. You know, let's say they let 5,000 instead of 50,000 and then 20,000 instead of 100,000. It, it's still something. And, I, and uh, I, think, I think that's going to come back. Maybe by the end of the year, we, we don't know. Who knows? And with the Ryder Cup, obviously, due to take place in September, although mm. nothing has yet been confirmed over that. Yeah. As you said, um, you would prefer 
well, you'd think the atmosphere would be better if they would be able to control the crowds that are in there so that there was some type of atmosphere between the US and Europe rather than just playing in front of uh, potentially nobody when obviously the yeah. Ryder Cup is about the fans it's for the fans and yeah. as you said you've experienced that I've experienced the Solheim Cup it's it's something else in terms of the fans getting involved even if they were to just able to control the amount of people who are in there do you think that would make a difference to having that competition going ahead this year? I think it would I mean the thing with um, the, the Ryder Cups that I, the, 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 I suppose the one which really surprised me somewhat was the K Club where there weren't there actually weren't that many people following them and not really other than Sunday there weren't that many people following the matches but the the corporate hospitality side of it was just immense you know just I've never seen anything like that before or since not not to that scale if you think there are only four matches live okay Sunday there's 12 but there's four matches live that are Friday and Saturday I guess you could have X number of fans following each match, which would be quite good as long as we can socially distance. I guess that it wouldn't be it's better than none. You know, but if you had 5,000 people, 2,000, you know, let's say 5,000 people following a match, that's, that's a pretty good atmosphere for that match. It would make a difference. It really would. No, no, no crowd would be really difficult. It's a distinct possibility, let's face it, Clive, that there might not be any crowds allowed in uh, yep. into golf courses by September. Obviously, you know, the, there's been flexibility before in terms of uh, the Ryder Cup was moved because of the 9-11 tragedy. Um, you know, how, mm. how would that knock-on effect work, though? Because we've obviously got Italy, the, the, the next two Ryder Cups that are scheduled already, so they would have to knock back. and It would be difficult to do it, wouldn't it? It would be difficult to reschedule, unless you had two in two years, I suppose. Well, I guess there's that, there's that way around it. I would think... I actually hadn't thought of that, but of course that's, you know, extremely important. Is the next one in Italy? Yes. Well, okay. Well, I think if, if given the option, if, if Italy said, yeah, we could definitely, I'm sure they could move it a year. I, mm. I would think they could because, okay, they've got 15, 16 months now to do that. I think they probably could and I think they'd love it there. They're going to want it there. They wouldn't want to miss it. No, of course, it's, it's way more than that. We'd give them two and a half years to get it. Yeah, I'm sure they could do that and they'd love, they'd love it there, yeah. And they deserve it, you know, they've done a lot for golf. And given what's happened there, you know, what a nice thing that would be for them, yeah, for sure. Another thing the European Tour Chief has, has been asked about, uh, Keith Pelly, the European Tour Chief Executive, is about microphones and mm. hooking players up to have a sort of inside look on, on the golf course that, that fans don't normally get to have. And he said, mm. you know, I think you have to be as creative as you possibly can when you're playing behind closed doors. What would that add, do you think, to the viewer at home? If we weren't allowed inside the rope, what would that add, do you think? I think it would add an enormous amount because the conversations that players have is very, player stroke caddies have, is very organised, it's very businesslike and it would be a, a very different insight how, to, how, to, how players approach their strategy. And let's say Graham McDowell makes double bogey on the third hole. The conversation may, may be very interesting between the third green and the fourth tee. Now, I don't mean it colourful language, although that bleep, there's a few bleeps I suspect going to be happening there. They tried it years ago, and I think it didn't work for that very reason. Actually, I think the language was so bad they kind of had to put put it on the back shelf. But um, 
you know, I think there's there's some mystery amongst amateurs, almost as some secret as how players go about and do, go ahead or go about their business and play well. I think that would be very, very interesting. I really do think that's interesting because when you hear how they strategize and how they overcome adversity, which is we all do and all golfers have to do that, I think that would be very, very interesting indeed. I really do. Here in the UK, we've got, as you mentioned earlier, the UK swing and the PGA yeah. is obviously starting next week and kind of going through till the end of, till the middle of July, there's tournaments back to back. In terms of those European players that are here for the UK swing, how do you think that will affect them in terms of being able to play six tournaments back to back at different courses all across the UK, getting the opportunity um, to be out on the golf course and be competitive once again? Oh, I think they'd be absolutely delighted, as, in, as anybody would be. That's a, I mean, it's their passion and they're very good at it. And it's also commercially, it's their business, how so they make their income. Well, I'm sure most of them are, are okay. I don't think they've had to sort of, um, I think they've had very little or needed very little help from the, from the UK government. I think they'd be absolutely delighted. Oddly enough, is, is it six back-to-back? It is, isn't it? Yeah. I would be a bit surprised if they play all six in a row. The, common, the commonality is you play three in a week off or three and two weeks off. So I can see there's, you know, some guys are going to look at it and think, actually, I do like that course. I don't like that course. I'd rather play this one. So they're going to be choosing prob- probably five out of the six with a gap somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I would think so. The interesting thing about that is if it looks like there's a weak one in the middle and you think, actually, maybe that's a weak field, I might go and plan that because I could win that because there's fewer good players there. I mean, I don't know how their heads are going to work. I, I think, you know, it's like they're just going to be so pleased to be out there, but they won't play all six. I, I, I'd be very surprised. And in terms of the opportunity, as you said, with um, the players are kind of going to be a bit split here with more those further up in the world rankings will be over in America and mm-hmm. those uh, over here on the European tour. Does it give them more of an opportunity to win those tournaments and give them a bit more visibility than they would otherwise have? Uh, yes, it does. And I think that you know, a win is a win is a win. You know, it doesn't matter where you do it particularly. And there's world ranking points, of course, for that. And if you, you know, it's another one on the resume, whoever, someone's going to win one of those six. You know, it just is a confidence builder and it does lead to other things. And, you know, they're probably getting a bonus from their sponsors if they win. And so I think they just want to, these fellas just love competing. They really, and the girls, of course, hopefully they can get things back, going back there. Um, Fingers crossed. So I think they'd just be delighted. Yeah, there's lots of reasons why they want to go play that. And as you just mentioned, the women, obviously the LET um, haven't yet confirmed whether the specific tournaments going ahead such as the Evian and then obviously the British Open and Scottish Open they're yeah. still hoping they will um, yeah. in August kind of a similar time and um, it's been muted by some people online whether it would be a good idea to kind of have mixed tournaments or joint tournaments um, mm-hmm. with both the male and female competing because it would give both sets of players obviously the opportunity to get back into the sport and put the sport on a pedestal when sport is coming back and showing golf to everybody what do you think about the idea of mixed tours? I think it's a great idea. I think Sorenstam and Henrik Stenson were thinking about putting one on later this year. Um, and that was it. I think that was scheduled. So that yes, may that be was. on the back burner or that's gone backwards. Uh, I know that Keith Pell is very keen to promote the ladies tour. They are having a tough time. I think in January, the LET had a pretty good, look like sort of a JV with the LPJ Tour of the States. And of course, that's I'm saying it's in tatters, but it, it's that looks difficult at the moment. And I know the LPJ too have sort of sucked up the 
the costs of everything that's happened to them, and that's probably eaten into their own budget. So that may affect that relationship. Uh, but I think you know the, the women's tour deserves equal footing. It, look, it, it's a ladies' tour, it's a men's tour. It doesn't matter who it is. But I think if if anything can be done to promote that and the camaraderie and the link and the passion between both governing bodies and the players, got to be good. I'd support that 100%. And I, I believe the, the chats will as well. Yeah, for sure. Just before we move on, Clive, I, I just want to bring you back on to the sort of different natures of both the European and, and the PGA Tour because the US has the advantage of being one country but also a massive country with different climates and very different golf courses in which to play. The European Tour obviously has the problem of being an amalgamation of, of different countries and getting yeah. people from country to country during this time mm. is going to be a mm. challenge. Do, do you think uh, you know a, a lot of European Tour players are, are going to suffer because of that and in terms of you know, actually competing, they, they won't get those competitions sorted out, you know, with, with all the governments that are going to have obviously very different rules on quarantining mm. when you fly into the country. Mm. For example, you'll fly into the Czech Republic soon as well. I guess the hope is that, well, I'm hoping to, I've got my seats booked, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but at least we're trying to, you know, try, trying to move things forward. And I, the governments would want as well. I mean, I don't want to get involved in politics, but the idea of a two-week quarantine when I fly back to this country—if that's what—if that's what's requested or re- and is needed to, cre- to to maintain some safety, obviously happy to do that. Getting back to the tour, though, the, the fact that all the first six are in the UK, and I think that's great. So what they're hoping to do is, I sh- or hoping to happen, is that these rules will just weaken off a bit and slow off a bit. So I think that's what we're all we're all sort of hoping for a little bit. I heard something quite recently that you know flights as we would typically know them, air travel as we typically know, is not going to return probably till 2022, 2023. In terms of get the guys getting around, you these these can charter planes, so they can travel on mass. So that's doable. So I think there are ways around it, but I think everyone's hoping that Piers Brosnan's coming over the mountain this afternoon with a great big vial full of antidote and, um, and vaccines. But that's not going to happen in the, next, in the next couple of weeks, unfortunately. However, I think, you know, they're looking for that and who knows what's going to be, what, who knows what's going to be like in September. I mean, if we'd have had this conversation at Christmas dinner, yeah. we'd have laughed yeah. out the room. It's just that the world's gone sadly yeah. a bit pear-shaped. But it will change and, and you know, I think, you know, we'll get through as much as possible. And I think if things change and just relax a bit, I think travel will become a bit more safe yeah. or a bit more organised. Yes. As you mentioned, it does come back. It, you know, the Czech Republic may say in three weeks' time, oh, no one coming from England or the UK is allowed because, you know, you've had a spike. And so who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, we can only keep the fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think cancellations potentially happened too soon. Obviously, to cancel, you can't go back. A rescheduling is fine, but a cancellation is a cancellation. You can't, you know, put it back on on the schedule. And you're going to have the Memorial Tournament in the US taking place on the 18th um, of July, which would have been when the the Open Championship was was scheduled. It's a real shame not to have the Open Championship. It's it's the iconic mm. event in golf every year. You know, what do mm. you make of that? you know, being put to the wayside. And obviously we're going to hopefully have the Masters in November now. Was that a better way around it? You know, they, they rescheduled the Masters rather than cancel it. 
as if you if you spoke to and obviously I've been fortunate enough to, to coach long enough on tour if I I would have heard so many conversations amongst players um, say you know which which major would you rather win and definitely by far even the US guys said we'll be the Open that this that's that's it that's the kind of the number one so it's it's a terrible shame that it's happened but who knows but it is very sad that it's not going to happen. Also, in terms of the, the quality of golf, I'll be interested, you know, from your coaching perspective, are we going to see a lower quality of golf? Because when we saw DJ play in that charity game, you know, McElroy pretty much carried that team. DJ was very rusty, hadn't played much golf. Do you think there will be a bit of a, a coming back period where the quality of golf isn't up to, to what we're used to seeing? I think you'll see zero change. <laughs> uh, kind of the reason is it's slightly logical. When we turn the TV on on a Saturday or Sunday, what we're mostly getting coverage of are the guys that are playing well that week. And out of 140 players, you are going to get 50 playing very well. And so at the top end, the leaderboard end, Saturday and Sunday, these fellas are ready to go. So I, I don't think you'll see a change in it. I don't know what the winning score has been at Cologne. Depends on the weather, of course. It's Texas, I think, so it's pretty windy. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, I bet you don't see any change in it. That's so interesting. I really don't. That's yeah, so I just don't. Because they're just good. And yeah, they, yeah. Are hitting balls. <laughs> they are hitting balls. They are practising. They are very talented. Um, and the old adage, I suppose, is beware a sick golfer or a tired golfer because they go out with zero expectations and suddenly go and shoot 62. I, I think you'll see it good. I really do. What have you made of um, the, the older pros, the retired pros, taken to Twitter? I don't know whether you've seen any, any of the sort of videos that Thomas Bjorn and Podrick Harrington have been putting on social media. You know, <laughs> have you enjoyed that side of it? When we haven't been able to have golf, we've got the old timers coming back and showing well, us how to play a few shots. I think that's great. You know, and and uh, and the characters of the game. Thomas is definitely one. Wow, he's just a great lad. You know, we'll miss those. And I think it's great to see them, and they're very skillful, you can see the humour side of things, trying to entertain the troops, so to speak, great, you know, I think it's wonderful. And obviously Podrick being the Ryder Cup captain this year, do you think they will change the qualification rules? Would you, would you be happy to see Podrick just pick 12 wildcards because of, of the way the qualification is obviously going to be stunted a little bit due to the, the lack of golf we've had in recent months? I think they'll pro- probably change it rather than... Well, I don't think it's going to change that much. I, I don't think go 12 welcome. I don't think they'll do that. I actually, now I'm thinking about it, um, I don't think it's going to change much. I still think it will come off the world rankings, uh, number one. And I still think if from now until if it happens, you know, fingers crossed, it does actually happen and you get some crowds in there, you're still going to have like a mini order of merit. So you're still going to see who's playing well. So I think there's going to be... Some wild cards, but they'll probably change rather, you know, probably a mini order of merit starting now and world rankings and some picks, I think. Yeah. So There's a slight change, yeah. yeah. And, and, and do you think Europe has a, has a good chance of, of winning at, at Whistling Straits? Let's hope it goes ahead in whatever, mm. you know, fans or no fans. Let's hope it goes ahead in September. And could Graham McDowell make the team, do you think? I think GMAC could. I think, I think he will. If he didn't, because he's already won uh, in Saudi, I think he's a great pick. Honestly, you want that fella in your tent versus theirs. He's just a giant. I mean, he's about 5'10", but he looks about 6'2", and he walks out of the chain. He's just, 
a, a great gritty competitor. I think recently, maybe a year or so ago, Brooks Kett was asked, if you could have one thing from one player you think you lack, what would it be? He said, no question, GMAC and his grip. So he would be a great, a great team member for sure. Do I think we have a good chance? I think we'll win it. I, like that. I, think we're be- I actually think we're better. That's a terrible thing to say, <laughs> but I think we're more travelled and um, I've got my own theory about it, but it just... We look better, as I've been to a few, as you can imagine, what uh, coaching. We just look a bit more comfortable. The players look, strange one, this. The players kind of look a little bit more comfortable in singles. Just something in there. I think we're, we're slightly more travelled and rounded as, as players. I think just a bit of an edge. And we're very good. If you look at the stats, not much no. in it. Not much in it at all. And, and do you think the way the European teams have been captain and, and vice-captain in, in recent tournaments. A lot's been made of that, I think, in the press. I don't mm. know, you know, you've probably got more of an inside track than, than the press have, you know. And mm. Do you think there's been a, a real sort of leg up that we've been given from our sort of organisation behind the scenes? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I know, I know um, the Azinger was the first captain that won for quite a while, Valhalla, and I was there with that one. And he actually had them almost trained by Navy SEALs. I kid you not. <laughs> they lived and died for one another. It was so well organised. I think the Americans are pretty good at that. I think we're all pretty good at getting things organised. And behind the scenes, how they're picked, almost psych- psychologically picked as SEALs and work with one another, how they get on. Um, and no doubt the captains will speak to every player way before. Once it's decided the team, they speak to every player and say, and not all players get on. And they will speak to the players, uh, who do you want to play with? Tell me who, I won't say, but tell me who you don't want to play with. So it's all organised and they are, they're jolly good. And um, I spoke to Graham a fair bit after, after France when he was a captain, and a vice captain there. And um, how they went through statistics and who was good from this range and that range and who was better at this and this. And they just got people to play together that were exactly right, just the perfect match. But the Americans do that as well. The captains wise, I wouldn't want that job because that, that's a tough job because you're going to upset people and you know it's not every person can know whether you know, a player needs a cuddle or a kick in the rear end you know and, and they're not always going to be good at that either because they're just you know they're, they're friends so it would be a tricky one to be captain I think it would be really really tricky I know Thomas was was sort of chewing his fingernails down for a while there even you know leading into it because there's so much on it and the buck stops with the captain, right? You know, it's a tricky one. Of course. And do you, do you think the rise of, of data analysis has been particularly pertinent for golf? I mean, obviously, everything can be analysed now. Yeah, has yeah. that been a good thing for, for coaching and, and golf in general? I think, I think it has. I think, in, in a way, what's sad about the science is when you look at things like launch monitors and force pressure plates and, gosh, 3D data and real, real in-depth check-in shot selection and psychology, it's sort of taken the bit of the mystery out. You know, I mean, science does, answer, does take the guessing out, which is great. But at the end of the day, you still got to tee it up and hit it. And uh, particularly that level, the only thing that's not moving on the first tee is the ball. Because they're all over the place. You could blow them over. I mean, it's, it's amazing how they can cope with it at that level, if we're discussing particularly the Ryder Cup. But it does make a massive difference because you can see where things are. You can see what's going on. What, okay, what do I need to work at? 
what I've got to do. And it, it is real. It is right. It, it does work, assuming you don't you don't become too introverted with it or too reliant upon it. Then you kind of lose your art. You know, David Howe once said to me, "This is great, but what about the golfer's art? You've got to you've got to stand on your own two feet. You've got to decide what to do. You've got to believe in to do it. You've got to, be able to execute it." And then cut, and then take advantage of it when you can, you know. So um, it is helpful for sure, but you've got to go play golf at the end of the day. Well, you know, when the gun goes, it's just you and the ball. And just before we go, Clive, one final thing: we we ask everyone on on the pod this question: if if there's one thing now, we have the perfect opportunity because of coronavirus to actually change our sports at a at a, a, a real nuclear level. We can change whatever we want now because there's such an opportunity. We've had this break. What would you change about golf to improve it? I'd probably make it slightly faster. And I think that's where I would go. And as much as possible, make it as, as, as accessible as possible for all. And it's a great opportunity, obviously, to not reinvent the wheel, but actually promote it to the point to all comers and beginners. You know, get involved with this game because it's a life's passion. It's a great leveller and it's a great character builder for sure. You know, it's one of those very rare sports these days that self-govern. If they do something wrong, they call it on themselves and that's rare. I mean, I, I like that. So, yeah, I think it would be making more accessible a little faster because I think that will bring new people into the game. Thank you to Clive. Brilliant interview. Um, I thought he was really forthright on some of his opinions, Nicola, particularly with um, the, the Ryder Cup and, and the joint tour. Literally, as we are recording this podcast, uh, we've just had word that Steve Stricker has, um, well, he's, he's had a, a radio interview, actually, with Golf Effect Radio. And he has said about the Ryder Cup, this event is made by the fans. If it was without fans, it almost would be a yawner of an event. That's such an American phrase. To cheat out the Wisconsin fans would be a crime. <laughs> I hope when we do have it, it can be up to its full potential. So it sounds like we probably won't have a Ryder Cup in September if you know Steve Stricker's um, opinions are to be accepted. What did you make, firstly, mm-hmm. Nicola, of... Clive's opinions on the Ryder Cup. I thought it was really interesting getting the insight, obviously him having attended four as a coach, him saying it's the best atmosphere he's ever experienced and there's just nothing else like it in terms of golf itself that, you know, you just can't replicate that and therefore having that tournament without fans and without that atmosphere that those players feed off and that's part of why the Ryder Cup is so great, it would be, you know, disappointing to just have to watch it without anyone. Um, so he said, obviously, with the Friday and Saturday games, with four games per morning and per afternoon, having a specific group of fans following a specific pair match round would definitely add an atmosphere where if there was nothing, you'd notice it. It would be a noticeable difference to have nobody cheering at all, especially in the closing holes where those matches are being played out for, for those crucial points. So having some somebody there rather than nobody there would definitely make a difference and yeah it's a great idea and to maybe be able to implement and also implement that in different sports as well not just golf in terms of you know being able to have people spectating but from a social distance from each other would definitely help create more of an atmosphere in the return to these sporting events. I suppose the problem Nicola this Ryder Cup if it goes ahead this year in whatever guise will always be 
referred to as the coronavirus Ryder Cup, there will be challenges to get round. It won't be the same as in Le Golf National a couple of years ago, which we remember so fondly, you know, with that big opening tee box full of fans. Would, would I rather have a Ryder Cup to watch? Of course I would. But I suppose, you know, the fans that have bought tickets, what would they want? You know, would they accept, you know, being only able to follow one match? I suppose the beauty of watching golf live is you can normally be go and watch anyone and you can sort of go with where the drama you feel is going to be at its, at its most. So that, that would be particularly hard, I think, for, for certain fans to try and stomach. But the, the other thing about Clive's interview, which I found particularly interesting and something I didn't expect him to say, was, was the resumption of the European tour in July, the 22nd of July to be precise, and that we're going to have a six-week UK leg um, because of, of Keith Pelley saying that as golf's global tour, diversity is ordinarily one of our biggest strengths, but it has now become one of our biggest challenges. Initially, therefore, playing in one territory is the best option in, for, in terms of testing, travel and accommodation. And Clive set that out, really. But what he did say was he doesn't think that all six tournaments will get played back to back. That's, that's really interesting, isn't it? I get where he's coming from, obviously, from a coaching perspective, if they haven't played competitive golf like that. Um, and then to do six tournaments potentially back-to-back from his perspective, I totally see why you wouldn't play that in case of injury, etc. Um, but yeah, just interesting to see that he really doesn't think that that many people will do all of them, that there will just be a couple who maybe do them all and that they'd in fact focus on specific tournaments to try and you know, get a better result maybe depending on the field. You can only beat the field that's there. The field happens to be weaker those two weeks at Celtic Manor and that some people do the first week but not the second and vice versa, then there's going to be more of an opportunity to get that first win, as you said, and a win is a win. A win is a win indeed. And do you think there's much prospect of a a real outside bet qualifying via tour ranking points for the Ryder Cup because they are just determined to play in every tournament available? And of course, if you play in more tournaments, you're going to have more opportunity for more points. Exactly. And um, with this mini order of merit also taking place for the six-week swing, definitely, like, someone could definitely come out of nowhere not expecting it and rise above the ranks and put themselves in there for a wild card, even if they don't actually qualify based on world rankings, etc. But to show their face and be like, I'm here, I'm in form, I can play, pick me. Yeah, 100%. We could have a, another Nicholas Colsarts on our hands. But... Nicola, it's been great uh, chatting to you. Obviously, um, myself and Kish have, have, have done the first two. It's been great to have your voice on, on this one. Um, hopefully, we'll get Ella um, and, and hopefully maybe have even you know, a four-way discussion at some point um, on Project Restart. But um, for now, thank you guys for listening. Please don't forget to rate us five stars, to leave a comment. Any feedback would be really appreciated. Please subscribe as well on whatever lovely podcast channel you're, you're listening on and um, well so much has happened this week who knows what Nicola Kish and I will be discussing next week but for now thank you and goodbye <laughs>